Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm one of your hosts, Lexi. I'm Anne. And I'm Miss Piggy. <laughs> I I I I seriously considered for like ten seconds. I was like, what if I just say I'm Dallas? What if I just <laughs> I'm gonna unlock him for the next ten hey. seconds of this podcast? Me, it's me. And then I decided against it because I'm like, you know what? We don't need that distraction this early. But then you're just like, go for it, gung ho, Miss Listen, Piggy. I'm workshopping a new voice, and I gotta yeah, I gotta get it out there. I gotta get it to the world. Focal point, front of your mouth, not the back. More mm-hmm. authentic feminine voice you'll get there you'll get there you got practice i can send you my regimen if you want thank you thank you your nose and through your nose i'm dallas (gasps) okay there we go surprise 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 well everybody without further ado i get so with any voice i do i have to have like a phrase that gets me mm-hmm. like when I do King Julian, I'm like, which one of you is attracted to me? Hello, it's me, <laughs> King Julian. How are you? And like, that's how I can get into King Julian. Mm-hmm. The stupid TikTok sound that goes, didn't I do it for you? That's how I get into Miss Piggy. <laughs> the Kermit voice. Yeah. That people always put over to the long face dogs. dogs. <laughs> Those dogs are like, for you. Have you seen the video that they made for that sound? No. With the dog sticking his nose down the sink drain. <laughs> no. Oh, those dogs are so funny. Oh, they're so freaky. They're like little aliens. Anyway, speaking of aliens, um, <laughs> this week, I guess they're not really aliens. I don't really know what they are, but we'll get they're, into they're that. They're freaky. They're freaky. They're from space. Sometimes. Um, But this week we read and we will be discussing Eternals by written by Kieran Gillen. And there were a couple different artists on this one that I forgot to write down. It was primarily Isad Ribic, though. There were fill-ins, but it was Isad Ribic was the main homeboy. Very good. Very good art. Loved it. He does um, such a good job. We can get into this more later, but mm-hmm. Isad Ribic is perfect for this because his sense of scale is astonishing. Mm-hmm. Like that first page when Icarus climbs up out of the red- resurrection thing and you see the inside of the machine, yeah. you're like, holy shit. This oh, is a big sure. deal. All right, yeah. Sometimes I think his smaller scale, scale stuff could use some work, but we'll get into that. Ooh! Danvers goes, <laughs> Shut, up. Shut up! We'll get there. We'll get there. All in good time. We, listen, we have Dallas limited was, time. We are not eternal. We got. <laughs> Dallas was just saying how tired he was, and I think it's already showing. <laughs> it's going right. to be a giggly episode. I can tell. Wait, so what, what are we? What are we covering this time? Eternals by Nate by Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Wait, we're doing Eternals this time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh no, is Dallas going to take up my line of work on this podcast? Pretending that she didn't read when in fact she didn't? <laughs> Fick. I thought this was the Banshees of Inishiran episode. Yeah, you know, the famous comic on Netflix. Love it. Wait, no, it's HBO, isn't it? Fuck, I'm tired too. Um, that movie's Jesus. real good. If you two is haven't it? seen it yet, okay. it's real good. I watched it today. What is it? The Banshees of Inishiran. It's mm. about these two petty dudes 
in 1920s on Ireland. On Ireland. On a little island off of Ireland <laughs> called Inishirin. Uh-huh. And one of them, it starts out, one of them has just decided that their best friendship is over. Mm. And the other one is like, you liked me yesterday. And he's like, I've decided I don't today. And oh. it just like the ball rolls from there and it'll break your heart in like cinema way. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's okay then. Oh. Like you'll be like, oh, there's this great part. All right. Spoils for, spoilers for... <laughs> We haven't even talked about the damn comic book. We'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) There's this scene where one of the characters is talking about the people that are remembered. And he's basically like, there's one character who is not very smart. And the other one is pretty smart. And is like, if I spend time with my unsmart friend, then I'm not going to accomplish all that I can. And so he has this whole speech about how, like, I'm not going to spend time with you because I need to spend time on my art. I need to spend time on the things that are important that will be remembered. And you're a very nice man, but I, that's not enough. And the, like, the sort of simple guy is like, well, me mammy was very nice and I'll remember her. And me daddy was very nice and I'll remember him. He's like, and me sister Shibon, who he doesn't know is behind him, is behind him. He's like, She's very nice, and I'll remember her for the rest of my days. And he's like, I do think nice people are remembered. And you're just sobbing your eyes out. You're like, yeah, they are. <laughs> nice people are remembered. I just had to get that off my chest, because it was a 2022 movie, so we're not going to talk about it at the end of the year. I just hadn't seen it yet for that show, and it was so good. <laughs> Dallas is emotionally tormented today, I can already tell. Yeah, th- Thank you for coming to group therapy today. Yeah, I'm glad good. we got that out. Get You're it off your chest, buddy. That's what we're here for, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of two other self-absorbed people who got over their friendship, Druig and Thanos. Um, besties until the end of the line. You know? Great, great people. Old snakes. Um, <laughs> I don't know where we want to start with this episode. Lexi, where are we going? I'll take us away. I picked this book because I knew literally nothing about the Eternals. And there's even a whole ass movie that got released about them and I did not watch it. Not for any particular reason, just because I forgot that it came out. Um, And I watched it yesterday and all I can say is I don't understand how they can be named the same thing and not make any sense when you put them in the same same place. These comics are very different than the the movie and I think you should read the comics because they're wonderful. And Kieran Gillen is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you, the end. <laughs> so you're telling me that the sex scene in The Eternals wasn't enough to just, like, Ugh. be perfection? Yeah. It was so hyped up. It was so hyped up. Dallas. I mean, all I could think about during that was how yeah. so there was so much sand. <laughs> that would not be comfortable for anybody. Ever. It wouldn't be comfortable, and they're eternal, so they have to deal with that for a it while. Be eternally picking it's sand out of the crevices. <sighs> Criminy. But it's... yeah, no, it was great. What did everybody think? <laughs> so you liked the comic a lot more than the movie. I which, did. Did I you did. like the movie? Um, I strictly watched the movie for learning people's names mm-hmm. and what they were doing because I feel like the movie was fine. I probably wouldn't watch it again, mm-hmm. which is sad because I do really love Gemma Chan. 
one of my favorite actresses ever. But I was like, hmm, okay. I guess I could say I watched that. Uh, it's the the one thing I think the movie did better than this comic is use Makari because Makari gets like oh, one big moment in the comic, but Makari's Macari. super speed in the movies is so so good. Macari's Always have to shout that out. Um, so overall, comic great. I I like this comic. I was telling um, Dallas off air. This is one of the comics where I'm like, this is a great book, but it is too smart for me. I feel like I have to put in the the intellectual work when I'm reading this comic to understand what everyone's saying, and. That's that's not a diss at the comic. I think the comic is perfectly well constructed. I think I'm just a little slow sometimes. And yeah, this is not like a leisurely, just, I'm going to kick back on a Sunday afternoon and read through some fun comics. This is like, I need to sit down. I need to read notes. I need to take notes. And this is one of the books where you actually have to read through the data pages because there is important things in there. And um, lots of lots of family trees that you got to keep pretty straight. So it's it's a it's a pretty solid read. It's I'm thinking back to the other Eternals book we've had on this podcast, the Neil Gaiman one. I think that's a great intro to the Eternals. Like if you want to know just basically who they are, what they do, that's that's the setup. But if you want to know like what makes the Eternals special, what gives them their their place in Marvel, what makes them different than like the mutants or the inhumans, I I think this is the perfect run to demonstrate that. I agree. I have an interesting relationship with this run because when the first two issues came out in singles, I read them as they came out because I liked the creative team. And I went, oof, I bounced off them super hard. I was like, this does not make any sense to me. And then we ended up reading Neil Gaiman's Eternals on this podcast. And I met all the characters and I understood the gist of the Eternals. And then returning to this run, I agree with Anne. It is the quintessential Eternals run. Like it is very cool, very good, high concept, new worlds, great emotional beats. But you kind of got to know who the Eternals are going into this, which I think is interesting to make it the run that came out as at the same time as that movie. Mm-hmm. Like Marvel always synchronizes by releasing some comics that are at least tangentially related to what's going on in the movies. And I just feel like if you, I guess it works if you went to that movie and went, man, what are the Eternals up to? And went and read this, you'd be in a better place than if you tried to do the opposite way. Where you try to be like, I should learn who the Eternals are before that movie. Like, this is not the run to do that. So, it's interesting. I, I feel like the Eternals are a group of characters that I, before reading that Neil Gaiman run, did not know enough about to enjoy just jumping in cold. Like, I feel like they're complicated enough that you kind of got to know what's going on to have fun with them. Kind of like the Mm X-Men, but much smaller scale than the Mm X-Men. The X-Men are a whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. They're a whole can of worms that also got name dropped at the end of this. And I was like, no, quit it. If you want (laughs) to read that, we could do that too. That big finale of the Eternals hunting the X-Men. It was real good. Mm -hmm. I was like, quit it. Quit combining all of the things. Just let me have one head empty comic book, please. But no, I really liked this. I really honestly can say that I knew nothing about the Eternals. Like, I feel like I kind of got a little bit of information from, of course, when the trailers were coming out for the movie. But I was like, okay, cool. That's just Marvel's Justice League, I guess, in my mind, which is wrong, but that's okay. 
Um, but this really is a whole different world that is so much, I don't want to say deeper than what I thought it was going to be, which I guess it is. But it just is such an interesting concept to have these entities and these beings that have been on Earth forever, like literally forever. And like they take you back to those times too, which is so interesting to me. And I just feel like to kind of learn along with this comic was super interesting to me. And I know Dallas mentioned kind of like he's had past experiences with the Eternals, but um, do you have anything more to say about like their history? Like, I'm just so curious of like where all these suckers came from. Yeah. So the Eternals are the last big creative burst from Jack Kirby in his comic booking career. So Jack Kirby, the creator of Captain America, the father of Marvel Comics, he came up with everything that we love for Marvel. And if you want to trace the creative line that ends up at the Eternals, you kind of have to look at the Fantastic Four comic that Jack Kirby did with Stan Lee, where the characters, the Inhumans, are introduced. The Inhumans are sort of the genesis of this idea that is built out of Jack Kirby's fondness for the book Chariot of the Gods, which I will get back to. But the Inhumans are basically modified humans that aliens came and made better to be created this little utopian society that lives apart. And so that's sort of the beginning of this idea. Jack Kirby then puts a lot of effort, finds a lot of fulfillment in Thor comics. Jack Kirby takes Norse mythology and combines them with his own sci-fi sensibilities, his love for these big Shakespearean plots, and creates his own funky blend of Norse mythology that we're all very familiar now through Thor comics. And so he takes that, he says... Hey, Stan, I'm sick of not getting paid enough and I'm not getting enough credit for creating this whole thing. And Stan went, what do you mean? I created it all. (laughs) And wandered off into the distance. And so Jack said, "Okay, I'm going to go to D.C. then. He hops over to D.C. and he says, I've got this big idea that I was going to use as the finale to my Thor comics, where after Ragnarok and all the Norse gods die, there are new gods. And these new gods, I've come up with all the characters and all their personalities. And I'm going to create this whole Greek mythology-sized theology from my brain of characters. And DC went, neat, go ahead. And so he creates the new gods. And that's where, Lex, you've met Darkseid before, right? The big gray villain. Yeah, so Darkseid is one of the new gods. Jack Kirby literally just creates a pantheon of gods and writes this whole story about them as like his sequel to his work on Thor. Mm -hmm. And then DC comes along and they said, Jack, my boy, no one's buying this fucking comic. (laughs) Not a soul. Uh, Canceled. Canceled. You you can't finish it. Jack's like, didn't I do it for you? (laughs) Cut it! (laughs) Cut that! (laughs) It's gonna keep happening. And so then he goes back to Marvel and he's like, man, I really like creating characters with complicated 
relationships and stories that like operate on a higher plane from everyone else. Like I like creating gods. This is fun. And so he returns to this idea that he had with the Inhumans, inspired by Chariot of the Gods. And here it is. I'm going to explain Chariot of the Gods. Chariot of the Gods is a book by a man named Brad Bradbury that is bullshit. It is the basis for ancient alien theories. This is the genesis point. This is the first man that went, man, no way brown people could have built those pyramids. Aliens must have helped them do it. And this book was very popular in the 60s and 70s. And even today, it's pretty popular. I think it's BS. I think that it is harmful to indigenous groups to suggest that the great things they accomplished outside of Europe is only possible because of aliens. But that is what is at the core of Eternals, is the Celestials, who were aliens, came down and they created two races. They created the Eternals and the Deviants. And the Eternals' job was to maintain Earth, and the Deviants' job was to deviate and evolve. We learn that over the course of this book. And to kind of be the spark of life for Earth. And the Eternals then operate in the background, inspiring humanity's myths and inspiring being the real beings that we based all of our religion off of. All of our good ideas come from the Eternals. And it was Jack Kirby's baby that, again, no one really cared about. (laughs) He got to finish this book out. He got to put these ideas out there. But then the Eternals have never quite caught their footing since then. We have covered in a past episode Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr.'s time with The Eternals, which I think is a really fun introductory text. And then Kieran Gillen and Asad Ribic in 2021 really revamped the franchise and brought them into a central light that they arguably have never seen in the Marvel Universe. So that is kind of the history of The Eternals. They are the final trilogy of... Jack Kirby's creating gods and theologies based off of his liking the book Chariot of the Gods. Ta-da! That was a good ta-da. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Yes. And that was all very well known. Thank you yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. I like Jack Kirby. <laughs> I think he is cool. He, no, I think he. there might be something there. I think yeah, this Jack kid he might make it. Like I'll figure out. One of my favorite Jack Kirby stories is that while everyone else was falling in love with Star Wars, he didn't like it because he thought it was copying his ideas. He was sitting in there and he's like, "This kid read New Gods," and I went, "I don't know, I don't know if he read New Gods, Jack." Oh, that's a that's a take, Jack. Everything else is fine, but that's interesting. (laughs) I'm I'm not so sure, Jack. I mean, I was like, I, I mean, you are the king of space, but uh, I don't know about all that. <laughs> it's interesting looking through like the um, his original Eternals run. And it's like the first two chapters are very much like what you described. It's very archaeology heavy. It's very like um, historical. But then I think they realized very quickly they were going to need to change something because as soon as issue three happens, the superhero costumes start popping up. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, and I we- think... Something that's cool about, I mean, kind of transition into the run we actually read yeah. about Kieran Gillen and Isad Ribix is they use the Eternals 
resurrection protocol to very quickly diversify this cast in a way that it was not before right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all these characters were white dudes and then makari was like a south asian dude and mm-hmm. then thena and cersei were the two girls and mm-hmm. so with this run largely influenced by the movie the cast gets a much needed spurt of diversity and stronger characterization for everybody mm-hmm. i think they're are some really cool standout characters in this run that I'm excited to get into later. Yeah. And I feel like even, I mean, to quote from, to pull from the fact that I did watch the movie in kind of preparation for this, I watched it with my boyfriend and he had never seen it either. And of course, like it had been on like the edge of our knowledge. Like we knew it existed. And uh, while we were watching it, he was like, Oh wow. They're not all white men. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And he goes, and also, um, he really loves Makari's actress because she's in The Walking Dead. She plays Connie, the deaf character in The Walking Dead. And he was like, I love Connie. He's like, I love Makari's character. I think that she's so great. I love that she's like basically the cool version of Flash. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, Carson, I'm going to pat you on the head over there. Um, but no, I just think it was really, it really was such a fun, diverse cast, and it kind of made me giggle. I do have to say one of my favorite parts about the movie was Kingo as a whole in the movie. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Not very funny in the book. Did not love <laughs> Kingo in the book, but purely because I got introduced to him as a Bollywood star, which now I can't mm. get out of my head. <laughs> I will keep that in my head forever. I do. Yeah. I liked when Kingo... Was like, oh, I did always want to star in a Die Hard remake. Yeah, in a Die Hard remake. I was like, yeah, that's funny. Okay. <laughs> and I love his BSing with the Avengers. He just oh, makes yeah. up the most um, like Silver Age villain of all time. He's like, do you don't want to mess with me? And yeah. Black Panther's like, he's he's full of shit. We should punch like, him in the you face. You literally are lying. I can tell. Him. Black Panther's that devil on Captain America's shoulder. He's like, punch him. Punch him in the face right now. But he's like, you do it first. Because if I'm wrong, then you know. (laughs) Better you than me, old man. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's just so fun. Alexis, I know you're a very big fan of murder mysteries. Did you like the murder mystery of the first six issues of this book? It was so fun. Especially because we knew who did it the whole time. (laughs) Um, Def, I mean, well, I mean, obviously Thanos, which didn't expect that at all. Nobody told me about that happening, how he was literally the villain. Um, So that was fun. This is my first Thanos comic also. Did you like getting his origin story? Yes. With his two parents? I feel like I could do a whole podcast just on that by itself. I feel like I have so much knowledge that I have to go share with my boyfriend now because he won't believe me. I might have to make him read a book. But, um, (laughs) sorry, little mini side note. I've been trying. So... (laughs) One week ago, my boyfriend uh-huh. basically broke his shoulder and has been on bed rest ever since. And I've been like, he's like, I'm so bored. I'm like, here, look, there's this really big book called Invincible that you will really like. No, I don't want to read. No, please, I promise you're not doing anything. Please. I feel like that little squirrel from uh, that Enchanted movie. It's like, he's good. <laughs> please. <laughs> like, please read this book. Yeah. <laughs> literally that, that one. is okay that squirrel 
But no, I I don't remember where I was going. But super fun. <laughs> oh, murder mystery. Um, it was so crazy how they literally suspected everybody, and then they had to go. Like I, it really was so funny to see. Every single one of them could have done it, and they all had a reason to. But they're like, mm-hmm. no. I'm just, I just would, I just didn't. I'm sorry. I have no better answer for you. I just didn't. I wasn't the one that did it. I could have. I wanted to, but I didn't. Yep. I I love the the tensions that build up between these people who have literally no, known each other since like the dawn of time. Yes. And they're like, yeah, there might be some history there, some some drama, but you know, yeah. we're. I we- did tell him I would murder him to his face, but that doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Like hey, yesterday. Listen, Girl, I was being dramatic. <laughs> I was being dramatic. It's the same thing with an X-Men. Death to them is like a slap, well, until they figure out what it means. Death for them is like a slap on the wrist. It's basically like a like you put a water bucket on the door and they walk through and they get soaked. That's what killing them is. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, epic, oh, darn. Just a mild inconvenience. Yeah. Can we so talk that's... about those stakes? Can we throw up oh. a big spoiler warning? Spoiler, yes. spoiler. Yeah. This revelation knocked me on my ass. Alexis, what do we learn about the Eternals' resurrection? So crazy. So we learned that every single time an Eternal is resurrected, it takes the life of a human on Earth. Which, the way that they like introduced it, too, was so soul crushing because we really we have this like little i don't want to call it like a little mini side story but like an understory to the main one of icarus seeing a vision of himself mourning the loss of a i think he was 13 like a 13 year old Mm -hmm. boy a young teenager um and icarus is like never met this kid day in my life i don't know why i'm so torn up about his death and he just sees this little snapshot in time of him mourning the loss of this child and so then he basically hunts him down and is like, hey, bitch, I am now your super babysitter and you are going to sit your ass right there and I'm also going to sick Sprite on you and you two are going to sit in the park and eat Thai food, okay? Not doing nothing. And you, so you kind of get emotionally attached to this kid for literally no reason at all. He's like, I'm just a normal child. And we basically figure out at the end that once Icarus dies, it takes the life of that kid that he was trying to protect for no reason that kid just wakes up dead in his bed which is horrifying and so then that kind of brings the revelation to all of the eternals that like oh no our deaths do have consequences to everybody but us Mm -hmm. so we really this is a real thing that we need to be worried about now so they all kind of have a well-deserved identity crisis about that it's gotta be a tough realization to be like the only reason I am leave, breathing and existing right now is because out there somewhere, someone, I took someone's soul. I took someone's yeah. life. It's like I, I I did the um the Super Smash Bros thing. We were on a team with someone. You steal their life and then they fall off the edge. And you're like, hey, I'm still in here. But, you know, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with emotion and tragedy and stuff. Um and it's the way that Icarus finds out, the fact that it was Icarus to have this moment of revelation out of, while Fastus is telling everyone is so impactful because out of all of them, we keep having this theme, recurring theme of Icarus being the most heroic one there. He is the one who's like, I want to be the superhero. I will, I'm the arrow. I will do what it takes to get the, get the job done. He's sacrificed my life a thousand times over. I love that they very specifically 
Sprite tells um, the kid, I forget his name, but um, I think it's Mark. Like Rob's, Robson's his last name. That's all I know. I, say, I don't know his actual name. <laughs> and he, she's just like, you know, Icarus would give his life for you without, in, in a heartbeat. And then the irony that he does all this to keep him safe and because he's a cog in this machine, his fate is not decided on his own. Mark gives his life for Icarus unwillingly, and there's just nothing you can do about that. I love the the the, the sense that these characters all want to be individuals. You have Fina, who's in love with a deviant. Um, you have Icarus, who just wants to be the hero. You have um, Fastos, who just wants to to fix it. But they are slaves to the machine. And you see that time and time again, where it's like they want to be their own people, but because of who they are, because of who the Eternals are, it just cannot be. And it's it's devastating. And it's what really, I think this run really solidifies that a lot of others don't. It's what makes them tragic and unique. And it's just, I think that's really, really special in the Marvel Universe. Well, I think there's a really great three-act structure in this story where you have, we're introduced to the system in the first third, only mm-hmm. to be shown that it's broken. The second third, when they go and move in with the deviants, we get to see them try to change the system and make it work from within. And then when that doesn't work, they then go and scream at God. <laughs> And we didn't read the finale of this, which we can if Lexi ends up wanting to the judgment day when the mutants get pulled into it. And you really start to get the big finale of all this. But even just this contained run has a really cool three beats that I think explore a little bit what it feels like to be religious in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Right. To be like, okay, I have an inherited a system and a way of belief that has always existed. I do not see it, this system working very well anymore, even though we have been told that it worked very well for a very long time. We're not seeing those results. So we're going to try and change that system from within. And then we're going to feel frustrated about that. And then it really comes down to us going and having to sort it out with God ourselves. And I think Kieran Gillen comes to a really interesting conclusion with Ajak deciding that just like she has had to earn God's respect, she wants God to have to earn her respect mm-hmm. back. And I think that, that that's a very interesting religious philosophy that I have bounced around in my head since reading this comic the first time. I clearly, the most interesting stuff to me was Makari and Ajak. And their Mm -hmm. journey to go meet and figure out God. I think their little side issue where they sit on that giant throne and then go and find out that the Avengers are living in their God's corpse for me was like, okay, this is real comics. Like this, this is the stuff. (laughs) When Ajak lost her absolute shit that her God talked to, um, whatever his name ghost is ghost writer ghost writer that was so funny and he was like i don't know what the f is going on <laughs> like i'm just i'm just here man i'm just here to be here he's so like my, my b i'm sorry totally. didn't mean to 
Sorry that you think I'm of hell. <laughs> I am, but... I think... Those f- oh, Ian, I'm sorry. You go. No, no, no. It's okay. I'm just. I was just about to say. I just realized I completely skipped that side issue. <laughs> I Hell missed yeah. that one. Hell yeah, it's a I good will, one. I will go back and revisit it because I love Ajax. I love Ajax's breakdown after the discussion with the Celestial because that hit really hard. <laughs> Did you read the other side issues, like the Thanos one and the Uranus one? I've Crazy. read. I read the Uranus one before, but I didn't get to revisit it this week. Okay. Okay. They're interesting. Those side issues are a lot of fun. I didn't realize those were side issues. Look at me. (laughs) That's why I kept telling you to read it on Comixology because it's already in order. And I didn't want you to have to go find side issues. Well, I downloaded them all and read them on the plane today. Hells yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's probably why Marvel lost me because they don't do that. That would be, you know, that would make too much sense. Yeah, Marvel (laughs) Unlimited, it does not. It's not helpful. Yeah, Marvel Unlimited is dookie. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Um, something that I like about those first six issues, and then I will be ready to move on after this. But the, <laughs> in case you were wondering, you all can have your petty little comments, but I would be finished. I just I love that everyone's personality gets to shine over those six issues, right? That you have Sprite and Icarus, who have a very like Thor and Loki relationship, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like you can see. Jack Kirby sees these as a continuation of what he loved about Norse mythology the most in those characters. You then get to meet Cersei, who I think Kieran Gillen writes very fun. I love flirty Cersei. I, when Cersei and Namor just hang out in the hot tub during... And they're like, the we m- literally don't give a flying... Yeah, when they they're like, just hang out. When they they're just, like, just hung out. To mm-hmm. boof. Yeah, Listen, we're just bonking. Leave us alone. Everyone can go fight. Let's go boof in the pool. <laughs> I thought Thena was a really great character, this goddess of wisdom that like her heart and her mind are at war. I just I think like mm. everybody got a cool personality and that's hard to do with an ensemble cast. Like I think every single character was interesting, had something interesting to do over these 15 issues and I was incredibly impressed by Kieran Gillen. It was so good. I was oh, literally sure. mind blown by the Thanos stuff. Okay, talk about that, because that's the next thing. so crazy. Was this your first time figuring out that Thanos is an Eternal? Well, I mean, I kind of, like, had heard people mm-hmm. talking about that. Like, oh, he's just an evil um, whatever, you know, one step up from them, quote unquote. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I just think he's kind of a bitch, but whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, but we get his background that he is, in fact, the child of two... Uh, Eternals, which is so crazy because they are, I mean, originally they are beings that they're not human. They're not anything. They're, they can't quote unquote reproduce the way that we normally do. And so I hate to say that he was like a science experiment gone wrong because he really was like, he is the product of um, Uranus intermingling and finagling with some Eternals and making it possible for them to create a child, which basically creates Thanos, a creature of hell. Listen, he is an evil in vitro baby. Yeah. <laughs> they said, we got to go to the little Eternals clinic. And they're like, hmm. He is the evil petri dish. 
Let us take out in the petri dish and zip zab zoop. Oh, you can have one, but it's evil. And they went just that like that, that page of like mm-hmm. his mom after the birth. Crazy, literally chills. Where they were like he was supposed to be there. I don't remember. I don't even remember exactly what it says, but like he was supposed to be their joy, and then the next page was like he wasn't, and it's just all these terrible things that he did to his mom. Aren't isn't the poetry of this run so fun? Like yeah. I think a lot about when they call Thanos one of the great murderers and said, "No, that's not quite right. Murder is a note. Thanos has created symphonies." I was mm-hmm. like, Kieran. Wow. Holy cow. What a line. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, listen. Wow. <laughs> Every time Thanos was doing something in this run, I went, wow. wow. Uh, his little red eyes. I love how Saad Ribic draws him. It was great. His moment when he realized that he's deviated too much to be a part of the system. He was like, I am that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, how very girl boss slay of me. Anyway, back to murder. <laughs> there's there's a part of me that wants to think there's like a little bit of pettiness there. He's like, I don't want to be in your club anyway. I don't give a shit. I'm yeah, too cool for, for sure. school. For sure. Sano, Sano said, it's giving mother. And then he knocks off <laughs> one of their heads. He, oh no, he kills Druig again for fun. <laughs> the amount of times that he killed Druig just to be like, I fucking hate you. The, but I have to keep you around. The amount of times he killed his own parents again. He's like, oh. wait, you're saying my parents are in the back? <laughs> Fucking excuse me. I got to go do something. I got to go take yeah, care of some business. His grunkle. What about fi- the punishment for his dad of one light for every death that Thanos caused to make his eyes melt out of his face? Yeah. That was insane. That was fully Crazy. Crazy. Man, yeah, and Uranus was great. Grunkle Uranus. He was Grunkle. Grunkle Stan. So Lex, something kind of fun. He is obviously not close enough to for copyright infringement, but he's definitely supposed to look exactly like Darkseid, mm-hmm. who is a DC character Jack Kirby created that mm-hmm. before he created the Eternals. So it was kind of a fun nod to be like, and Darkseid is Thanos's grandpa. Because Darkseid is the Jack Kirby version, and then Jim Starlin came along and made Marvel's version of Darkseid. Crazy. Craziness. There's just so much in this run that was just so fun. Like, I really do feel like everybody should go read this one. Because it just, I just couldn't put it down. It was new information after new information. And it just was so fun. Like, it was just a completely new world that I've never got to experience before. And so I really genuinely enjoyed it a lot. What did you think of all the deviants and their world and the idea of, like, Thena falling in love with the deviant? That art piece that... The art piece. was incredible. Mm-hmm. I just I want to hear you talk about that, Lex and Anne. It just was so interesting to me because, I mean, of course, in the movie, deviants are introduced very differently. Like, they mm-hmm. are not people if that makes sense yeah. at least i mean we kind of got that weird freaky one at the end but um even then like they're not really that close what were you gonna say Anne? you had a little uh, the weird freaky one at the end of the movie that's you know that's crow the same one that's flirting with cersei in this one that I that that blows my mind that they're like this is the adaptation we're gonna go with that this makes right. sense that i think that's 
that's one of the shortcomings of the Eternals film is it gets rid of any and all of the fun moral gray area when the monsters you're supposed to be killing are actually monsters and not just like, hey, we're people, we're people too. Um, just sometimes we get a little freakier than others and we eat, you know, we eat people sometimes, but you know, who doesn't? Who doesn't do a little cannibalism from time to time? Exactly. And <laughs> the Eternals are like, I now pronounce you with death. <laughs> Love that. But no, really, like, I feel like it just made that storyline so much more appealing. I don't want to say appealing because that sounds terrible because they're people and they're killing them. But it just it made it feel like it had so much more stakes. Like, oh, they are terrified of the Eternals. Like when they start shitting their pants when they're walking up to the front gate to be like, please take us in. Be our friend. And they're like, "Ah, it's the Eternals. Run. Grab your children and run. I was like, oh, these people are traumatized. <laughs> They're traumatized by these heroes. I just, I loved the sequence of making us fall in love with the artist that Thena was involved, that fell in love with, making mm-hmm. us fall in love with their relationship, mm-hmm. introducing that he was going to morph, <laughs> us understanding what that means, and then having to see the consequences of that. I sure. feel like they zoomed in to help us understand the drama that was happening on a larger scale. So that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. <sighs> There's just so much. I'm sorry. I, this is very funny. It's. Oh, go for it. No, you're good. I was just saying that I'm currently live being texted a big ass question to ask on the podcast from my boyfriend who has never asked any questions. So I will sit on that till the end. I'm excited. Um, I say overall, I, I think having Thanos as like the big antagonist for this run was so, so fun. Cause I don't think there's been an Eternals run before where they've had to deal with the consequences of their own internal bullshit before. Mm -hmm. So I think that this was very, very well needed. And I liked having um, Druig sneak Thanos in to be like that surprise candidate that no one thought would ever win. And then just, he pulls all the shit while he's there. I wish that honestly lasted a little bit longer. I would have, if it feels like he gets elected as the, um, the prime eternal, he does a little bit of um, (laughs) deviant genocide. And then he's like, okay, peace. (laughs) We're that, that storyline's out. You can go raid the Avengers mansion now, I guess. Well, they didn't re-elect him in 2020. Oh, they just that's true. In you see, they actually did, but the election was stolen. So, you know. They... Super true. Super <laughs> true. They stole the election from Thanos. <laughs> it was all those votes from Oceana or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you really think. You really <laughs> think that many people showed up. Mm-hmm. They let Deviants vote. Did you hear that? They let the deviants vote in the election and stole it right out from under Thanos. They stole because it because he ran out of tanning solution. He didn't get. He didn't get the extra votes. Gosh. Well, we're gonna make the machine that is Earth great again, great again, by electing <laughs> Thanos twenty twenty four. We didn't so solve bad. it enough the first time, so we do need to make it. Great again, great again, Listen, great again. Listen, all I'm saying, Thanos is going to let you keep your gas stoves. That's just bottom line. I mm-hmm. mean, it's simple. They're, 
things were so much better under Thanos. Yeah. The, <laughs> the woke, I have to deal with half as many people eternal, on the highway. The woke eternal moralists <laughs> want you to believe that you're supposed to be kind to deviants. Mm-hmm. That's not how we've been. We have always killed deviants without any thought. Mm-hmm. Thanos brought that back. Okay? He brought back traditional eternal genocide values. And yeah. I think listen, that's something worth voting for. Listen, the liberals will tell you that killing half the universe is a bad thing, but it's only bad because it means it's getting rid of their voter base. You know? They <laughs> so need those. True. They so need true. That half. My only question Ooh. is, what do you need that other half for, if not nefarious <laughs> things? Seems kind of suspicious to me, Eternals. Mm-hmm. Kind of sus. Did you hear Any- that Druig also does charity work? Yeah, uh, on, yeah. no, honestly, I've talked to Druig before. Really, really great man. Um, yeah, so, so great. But, you know, I need to look at Icarus's emails, because I don't, I don't trust him. Personally, I want to know what Thena's been up to. I know she has nothing to do with this, but I think we should really <laughs> focus in on what Thena's been doing. I I think the worst part about this bit is I can think of so many things that they would say, but I'm like, I am not that morally <laughs> repugnant. <laughs> I can't even that joke energy about out. it. Oh, Lexi, thoughts? <sighs> it's good. Great. <laughs> it's good that they're stealing our elections, Lexi. No, no. the book, the book is good. <laughs> um, okay. Do we want to talk a little bit about the artwork? Yeah, Sprite is the creature of my nightmares. Okay, so we're gonna talk about <laughs> it then. Um, I think Asad Ribic is a very talented artist who paints really, really pretty pictures. Really, Dallas, you brought it up. A really great sense of scale and scope. I love all the sci-fi elements that he brings to this piece, to this work. I think a lot of times his faces take me out of it. They're so scary. Because whether it's being scary, or I think like he can still do faces, he can still draw faces well, but I feel like a lot of times, and I'm I'm going back and forth over whether it actually helps the story or not, I feel like a lot of times they're just devoid of any deep emotion. Like, I can look at his faces and I can be like, okay, the character is sad, the character is happy. But sometimes it's like, I don't know what you are. Or it's like, I feel like this could be more. I feel like the more intricate, um, smaller details get lost a little bit. If I had to give one critique for the entire series, that would be it. And Dallas is going to talk me out of it. Dallas. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, this is a really great train of thought. We have a listener question. Oh, oh, oh. It's all about exactly this. (gasps) Okay. can I read that question yes. and then we can continue this chat yeah, just so you don't have to Let's talk about it, it twice. All right. So Kurt says, hello, everyone. I discovered the podcast last year and now you're covering a recent run that I really enjoy. So it seems like a perfect time to write in. If you hear any two things about Asad Ribic in comic fandom, it's bound to be, damn, this scene from Secret Wars goes hard or this face looks goofy as hell. <laughs> I really like Rivik's dramatic style. The approach to scale and framing in his art and Eternals was the series where I came around on his occasional goofy facial expressions, too. I think they're good, actually. A lot of the funniest jokes Gillen writes for this series wouldn't work nearly as well without those bug-eyed, awkward smiles. Tony's face when Cersei is rooting around his brain is incredible. 
Do you guys agree? Do you think the possibly unintentional comedy of these faces complements or clashes with the book's tone overall? Thanks for the fun podcast. I'm looking forward to your discussion. Kurt. I feel like... Sorry, Anne, go ahead. You go. I was going to say, going off what I was kind of talking about earlier, where it's like, I don't know if it helps the story or not. There's moments where it's like, I feel like I want to feel disconnected from these people because like I was talking about earlier, I like the idea that they want to be their own people, but at the end of the day, they're just cogs in this machine and they are so, so different than us that I, I like that little bit of distance between them and their humanity. And I'm not sure if that's an intentional part of the, like something that Isad Ribic is just going for. That's just a side effect of, you know, Isad Ribic doing the artwork for it. I think it works pretty well either way if it if you want it to have that effect um i i don't know if the the faces add any humor to it for me beyond just the like in the context of the story i think they're definitely out of context funny but i'm not sure if they add anything in the story i feel like for me for the most part they were fine mm-hmm. but i really Got a good chuckle. Like, I had to pause and get a good chuckle out of the part where Sprite and the kid are at the park talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Sprite looks like she has done every single drug on the face of the planet yeah. right here. <laughs> like, she looks like she's going through some shit talking to this kid. And it makes me laugh. I could not take that scene seriously. Everything else, relatively okay. I think something that's very interesting in comic books right now i have a few thoughts Mm -hmm. i dive into a bunch i think pulling isad ribic for this book when isad ribic before this was very best known for thor and Mm -hmm. being on an iconic run of thor to then pull the thor artist over to do eternals is a very smart to me because again it ties Mm -hmm. those two series together in the same way that Kirby's journey into mystery Thor was tied to his Eternals run, right? I think creating a visual cue there to make you think about Asgard is intentional and smart. Two, I think Brian Michael Bendis created a type of modern comic where it is all about Sorkin-like dialogue and superheroes. You've got the classic Sorkin scene, right? Where characters are walking through a set and they're just chatting with each other. They're just talking. They're talking. The whole point of the thing is that they're talking. They got snappy dialogue and they're talking while they're walking. And Brian Michael Bendis brought this over to modern comics and had a lot of success and raised a whole generation on comics that are all about talking, talking, talking while we're walking, fighting, walking. And I think there are artists. One of the best examples to me is John Romita Jr., who mm-hmm. grew up and became a professional comic book artist before this wave, and therefore don't draw talking heads very well, but can mm. draw iconic superhero movement, can draw things that fill your soul and your imagination and go, I could never see that other than from your pencil. But then when they're asked by the script, because the script wants to have pages of talking heads to zoom in on those faces, that skill set is not there in the same way as some other artists are. Mm-hmm. I think Asad Ribic is also someone who does this, who when the creative with Ribic, 
knows that it's all about scale and grandiosity and larger than life superhero heroics, you don't notice it. And I don't think this is a neg on either Gillen or Ribic, but I think Gillen, Gillen has a talent for dialogue and likes to write witty, quippy dialogue and scenes. Mm-hmm. And you can see the strength of that when Gillen works with someone like Jamie McKelvey, who is so good at facial expressions and so good at talking heads. But I think there was a little bit of a disconnect where when the script just let Isad Ribic rip out and do something crazy, like every drawing of Lemuria was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Right. Every time you got to draw one of those monsters, they were awesome. But then when it was a page of talking heads, you really started to be like, man, they look weird as hell every time. And I just, I don't think that's a lack of talent from Ribic. I think Mm -hmm. that it is a skill set that is being asked of many of these artists that is really sort of a specialty thing that a few artists are very good at. That was actually very, very well put. I think that, that feels very, very accurate and definitely explain, explains grandma, Captain Marvel a oh, little was, bit better. She was that so was, bad. that was rough. I thought that, that was supposed to be a joke. Nope. And then when they didn't explain it, I was like, Oh no, I have to go back. It's just like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know. Like <laughs> it hurts my soul. It hurts my soul a little bit. I also wonder a little bit about the uh, timetable on turning around these issues. The issue before that one was a fill in and the issue before that was only half Ribic. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, I mean, Frank Miller has had an interesting observation once that comics aren't like any other art because at the end of the day, perfect or not, you have to publish that they, they work like a newspaper. They were created as a part of the newspaper. They are published like a newspaper. And so Frank Miller's like, you have never once held in your hand, a final draft of a comic book. Like it has always had to be sent out un unfinished Mm -hmm. because we don't have the luxury, like a novelist of tweaking with it for as long as it takes until it's perfect. And he's like, and I think that can be really magical, but I also think that sometimes people need to give us a break that Mm -hmm. we accomplished all of this in 30 days. And so sometimes when I look at the artwork, like especially Captain Marvel's face, where it's not even, because like there are the Ribic faces where you're like, man, you just draw these like slack jawed, bug eyed people that are very funny to me. (laughs) And then there's like the Captain Marvel face where it's like that, looks like a fast drawing mm-hmm. you know i don't know i i don't know i do not know what that was like but i just i was listening to an interview from bill Hader the other day i realized i've been talking for like a million years but bill Hader was like there was a moment in my career where i started to try to write something he's like and i stopped hanging out with my friends that wanted to talk shit about art because i realized how hard it was to make it He's like, Mm -hmm. I was someone who would go out to the diner and just rail on movies with my friends. He's like, and then the second I started writing movie, I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. It is so hard to make this stuff. And I just, I don't know. I couldn't draw anything like you saw. Oh, yeah. Can draw. 
<laughs> so sometimes I'm just like, that was a funny looking face. Moving on. Like, yep, yeah, my Captain Marvel face would have been worse. <laughs> Same. Agreed. But yeah, thanks for writing in the question, Kurt, and for letting us talk about that. Yeah. Do we have any more standalone thoughts before we read the rest of the listener questions? Um, no, not really. No? Dal? I think that an interesting Mm -hmm. read of the Ajak and Makari side issue where they go and they're mad at the Avengers living Mm -hmm. inside the Celestial's body. An interesting read. I'm not saying this is what Kieran Gillen intended, but an interesting framework that had a very fun day of reading comics and reading other stuff for me was considering the idea of Judeo-Christian religion and how there was a religion that was built by a certain people and then another people moved in and kicked them out without any of the context and now mm-hmm. live inside the husk of that religion with mm-hmm. new ideas and new contexts. And that is a very specific Dallas interest thing, but reading mm-hmm. that issue, I was like, this sparked some interest for me. And so if you also are into that kind of stuff to your listener, go back and read that issue with that in mind. The Eternals Celestia issue. I'm going to do that as soon as we're done with this episode. I really did like that issue. And yeah, they were good. The standalones were very good. They were. They were very good. Uranus is cool. Alexis, Uranus does some war crimes to the mutants i'm not gonna lie to you like <laughs> he i'm not man, surprised man does he oh boy does druig <laughs> let him loose on the mutants he's he's scary he is scary love that i mean i i kind of guessed when <laughs> this is so funny but when he was like you have to be married before i give you this power to have a child i said ah you're that kind of dad okay <laughs> 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 All right. Oh, man. Gosh. Yeah, if you ever want to read that finale to this, Lex, just let us know. It's real good. Yep. Okay. The Avengers are in it, and I promise nothing bad happens to anyone. It's called I mean, Aven- I wouldn't care if, they, if bad things did happen to those ones, but... It's literally called AXE, Avengers versus X-Men versus Eternals, Judgment Day. Hails, bales. Okay. <laughs> I, I love when I step my toe back into the Aaron Avengers run just like randomly and I love Echoes Phoenix and there's a, a baby star brand and I'm like things are definitely happening over there events are unfolding mm-hmm, for sure he's having a blast over there and it's he's not having for me but life. he's having a good time and I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum <laughs> <laughs> I was we um on you know the other the other podcast that I co-host, what's next um, with um, you know Evan Von Doom? Um, yeah, we we talked about how the one coming up in March looks like it, ha- it has the very Kurt Busiek um, feel to it with like all the heads on the cover. So I'm like, if we get back to that feeling, I think this run's going to be special. But you know, have they announced you- the new creative team? Not yet, because he's wrapping up. Like Avengers Forever yeah. is his finale. Yep. They're, we're gearing up into that finale, but nothing's been announced after that. 
Interesting. Interesting. If you want to know more, Dallas, you should keep an eye out for that podcast. What's next? Com- mm. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> I don't even know the name of the stupid show. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite. <laughs> Miss, missed up. you this month. <laughs> yeah. I picked up the Busiek, uh first omnibus of Avengers because I read Avengers forever and I loved it. And so I went, I should read the rest of this guy's run. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an interesting run, especially with Carol Danvers character, because it's one of the only Avengers runs that gives her a full arc. It's an arc that's hard to get through. And it sucks because a lot of it happens in Busiek's Iron Man 2, where it's like there's a little part at the beginning that focuses on, focuses on her. Then she like takes a step out. And the rest of that arc continues in his Iron Man run. And then it comes back and finishes in the Avengers run. I like it. I like it. Lex, mm-hmm. I want your final thoughts on the Eternals before we go to the questions. It was your episode. You picked them. I want to know yeah. if you thought this was a good run. Just your conclusion, conclusion paragraph to the podcast. <laughs> Well, since I almost failed English, it's not going to be a paragraph. More of like a, maybe a text you send to your brother. But um, I am so happy that Dallas told me to pick this one because <laughs> I don't ever pick anything on my own. But um, no, this really was so good. Like I am so blown away. I was kind of just like, oh, Kieran Gillen, I like you. I'll pick you because I trust you. And I am not upset that I did that. That was a good decision. Everyone on Twitter was correct. I do have good taste, accidentally. <laughs> but um, I'm so happy. This It was so good. It, there were so many new things that I learned and such a fun lens. I loved all the characters. Even if I hated them, they were fun. Um, I've never got to actually see Thanos be a villain before. Like, actually be a villain which was really fun because, you know, his MCU is kind of tame compared to this. Um, but it was it was awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I just remember my favorite Thanos moment where his petty ass is torturing his parents and he's like, tell me I'm going to blow up the city. And she's like, I fucking hate you. And he's just staring he's at her like, dead eye, doesn't blink, presses the trigger, <laughs> does not give a fuck. He's, no. Thanos came, did not come to play. Or whatever, or... I love when he, he tells that guy, he's like, thank you for being honest to me. Smashes I'm still going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, you'll see in 10 minutes. It's like, smashes his head. It's like, thank you for being honest with me. And since we're in the spirit of being honest, I can't lie. I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. 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 Like, there's a, there's a really fun Thanos story that's going to come up in our big Hickman read this year around like June Ooh. or July. There's like a Hick, there's a Thanos takes over the universe story. That- fun. I still think this is like one of the best Thanos stories in recent memory, though. Oh, okay. Like this Eternals, this Eternals one mm-hmm. is like real high quality Thanos. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I'm being real. Like this was, I actually believed that he was a, a villain. Yep. <laughs> the only thing that comes close is the short comic where he decides to just ruin a guy's life forever on his birthday. Mm. Peak. Yo. Also, Death of Captain Marvel. I don't know if you've ever read that. That. Is Jim Starlin's Thanos is that bitch? Like I, Kieran Gillen's Thanos is cool, but like Jim Starlin's Thanos is that bitch. He's the one who fell in love with death. He, yeah, he's the one that haunts me because I will never forget 
Infinity Gauntlet was one of my f- first Marvel comics I ever read. And you get to the end of that story, and the the epitome is, like, Thanos lost because he chose to lose, and that that keeps happening to him. He's like, if I wanted to, if, like, I subconsciously wanted to win, I'd just fucking win. But, you know, I guess I just didn't. So I'll deal with it. And I'm like, that's kind of terrifying, actually. <laughs> Thank you for that. He's such a great villain. Mm-hmm. I love... There was a think piece once that was dark side as Jack Kirby's fear of world war two and fascism. Mm-hmm. And Thanos was Jim Starlin's fear of American nihilistic fascism during mm. Vietnam. Like how the wars that scarred the men who created those characters shaped how they are different from each other in their kind of evil. Wow. Definitely framed those characters in a cool way. Yeah. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while now. Thank you. Um, Blew her mind. (laughs) Do we want to get on to the questions now? Yes. Can I read the absolute novel that I just got over text? Yes, please. It's a little disjointed because it is text, but a little bit of context. My boyfriend doesn't read. Ever. He didn't read the comics. He only watches the movies, so please be nice to him on the internet. I will hear no bashing, my sweet, sweet little Carson. Anyway, so it says, this text says, Can you please ask Dallas and Anne who would win in a fight, Icarus or Kang? And following this, I think I know the answer. But I don't think he wants to hear that answer. Thoughts? Oh, Kang's got his ass. He's doing it in the purple go-go boots. Are you kidding? <laughs> Kang is pulling up in the purple pleather. He is okay. squeaking onto the scene, and he Let's goes. See. He turns that boy inside out with a time machine, sends him back <laughs> to the Dawn of Eternals, mitochondria style. You've heard of Mortal Kombat. This is mitochondria combat. You can't do it. No one does it like Kang. Listen, Kang's going to show up on your doorstep and say, I kicked your ass last week. And you're going to be like, what? But you can't say what because your teeth are broken in because he kicked your ass last Tuesday. That's how Kang rolls. Boom. The only reason he fails is because he's an idiot. Okay, part two. There's lots of parts. The Conqueror of Time, Kang. Are you kidding me? You're going to love Busick's Kang. You're going to love him so much. I do love him so much. In Avengers Forever, he rules. Carson Carson is very bedazzled by the thought of Kang currently because you know he's being introduced to the movies, so he we don't should know be. that. Kang whips. And I know this. I know this. Anyway, ne- next part. Also, another question is: If the Eternals don't interfere, what about if Kang is going to destroy the entire timeline? Would they come fight then? This is what I'm talking about. Mm, that's what I'm talking about. Uh. The Eternals don't care about the time stream, but they do have to defend the machine that is Earth. So if Earth is threatened by Kang's doings, the Eternals will intervene. Uh Right, Anne? Yeah, but usually most of the time, Kang doesn't want to destroy Earth. He just wants to fuck with the the things on Earth. So I'm sure the Eternals don't really give a shit. They're like, well, time's going to keep moving that way one way or the other. We're just going to be here. You do you. If you guys, if you want Kang um, nihilism, if you want Kang fascism, 
that's on you. We're going to be right here <laughs> protecting our national parks. Okay. Love that. Next part. Oh, and the Eternals if- in national parks outfits. They've got the little khaki <laughs> shorts. They're, they're stupid like, little hard hats. Yeah, they're like, welcome to Jurassic National Park. <laughs> I would like to think about, for a moment, a moment of silence, thinking about Icarus riding a brontosaurus. <laughs> That's the most Kirby image you've ever said. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so smart for that one. Anyway, back to you in the studio, Alexis. Anyway, last part. If Kang destroys the timeline, how would the Celestials create more life like Uh their plan? This is confusing to me. Listen, so when a mommy Celestial loves a baby (laughs) Asteroid. (laughs) That mommy Celestial says, let's get it on. And then Jason Aaron's Avengers teaches us they die and then mm-hmm. they guts have all these little microbiomes that the planet goes, thank you. Mm. Mm, delicious. Mm, tasty. Mm, thank you. <laughs> and makes life. So all we got to do is you... kill a celestial and leave it there to die. So what you're saying is that the celestials would not be affected by the destruction of the timeline. The celestials are no. bigger than Kang. Listen, okay. if if the okay. Celestials gave shit, they would put mad. Kang in his place. Yeah. I, I, I'm upset the movie Celestials don't talk like the comic ones, where it's like the translation can't find the right word because the mm-hmm. right word doesn't exist. So the Celestials are like, we're here to bone slash fuck shit up. And then that's that's just it. Because the translator's like, something's being said. You wouldn't understand it because you know you're bacteria. So you're going to have to deal with this. <laughs> The Celestials are such cool Kirby designs. Oh, yeah. Peak. Gosh. Good Kirby. Good Kirby. Mm -hmm. (sighs) That was it. That was that was the Carson question. Thank you for writing in Carson. And if you like (laughs) Kang, you should check out the Kang Dynasty, the Avengers arc by Kurt Busiek. I think you'd really like it. He won't, but I probably will. (laughs) I can see some Kurt Busiek Avengers in our future. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. I have other thoughts about... I have thoughts about Carol Danvers, so we can roll with that. Ooh. Anne says, I got fists. I got hands. Listen, there's a lot. <laughs> she says, if me and Kurt Busiek on the same street, I'm not going to do anything because I'm not that kind of person. But also, I will think about it. Kurt, watch your back. I know you made Astro City, but that one time, my favorite character, it's over. I'm finishing you. <laughs> Kurt Busiek picked up this this little blonde, and it's like, she's been through some trauma. She's been through some trauma. Okay, let's let's ramp it up a little bit. We we'll get we'll get her there, but we're gonna ramp it up a little bit. What? When what? is the Thunderbolts show? Because we should read Kurt Busiek's Thunderbolts before that, and then not watch that show. It's not a show; it's a movie. But I think it's coming out next year. Mm, damn, because I kind of want to read Thunderbolts before that. I think that's that's gonna be a good one, Lexi. You don't know the Thunderbolts twist, right? Nope. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> love this. What was that little evil <laughs> Anne laugh? All right, I got bed soon, so let's read these yeah. episode questions. Okay, so next comes from Tristan. Um, questions number one: What are some of your favorite moments from the run? Thanos's origin story. Thank you. <laughs> Petty Thanos. Petty Thanos. I loved the art piece that was adamantium and me. That was, I thought that what, was very cool. What did you think about Thanos' critique? Where he's like, actually, it's stupid because I can just shoot it. 
I did like when Thanos said that critique can be art. Mm-hmm. Is that, that made me feel validated in what we do no, over here. You're just a jerk. Thanos. Does Thanos does Thanos have a letterboxed? Yeah, Thanos does. Thanos also did not like the menu. <laughs> Number two, who was your favorite character in the run? Mine was Icarus. His story is really good and sad at the same time. I like Icarus's um, arc in this book. I also like Thena a lot. I really, really liked I Thena. Love, I love Thena. Tina is one of my favorites. Tina's dope. Uh, Cersei is my girl. I love an evil woman. I married an evil woman. All of my favorite characters are evil women. I love hot evil women. Evil is a positive term here. Mm -hmm. Oh, going back to favorite moments. I love when Cersei was like, you know, She-Hulk told me about this really fucked up way that you killed her once. So I'm going to do that to you. And I know it's going to hurt. And I'm going to enjoy every second of it. I'm like... Yes, get that, get payback. <laughs> women supporting women. Exactly. Three, was anyone shocked about how the Eternals can come back if they die? Actually, I saw everyone, you know. Um, yeah, we are, I mean, we all predicted that twist. <laughs> I, I actually, reading it back again, reading through like issue one where they're talking about like how the deviants, it's like, well, the deviants are trying to steal parts from humans so they can live forever. And they're just like, oh, that's so gross. I'm so glad we're better than them. And then it turns out, no, bitch, you've been stealing their souls. So, you know. Pot meat kettle. Um, number four. What was your favorite cover from the run? Mine was the Celestia cover or the Thanos Rises cover. Those are the standalone ones, I believe. Mm, that's a good one. They're that good. first cover of the Evolution of Man all the way to Eternal was dope. That is <laughs> that so good. Works, but that's a cool cover. I, I like the cover where Icarus and Carol are meeting laser beams because Very it's cool. proof that Asad Ribic can draw Carol Danvers. What? I'm Number five. Will you guys ever take a look at Judgment Day? That's up to Lex. Probably next week. Next Probably month, next you mean? Month. Probably next, next month, month for my pick because I am I liked it a lot. Word. You heard it here first. Probably next month. And finally, six, who would you like to see take over the Eternal series, writer and artist? NK and Jemison. for art, Dallas for writing. So Anne can write Carol Danvers. I mean, Anne can draw <laughs> Carol Danvers. No, no, no. Hear me out. I want N.K. Jemison, the Far Sector okay. writer. Ooh. And I would like... Ooh, who do I want to see draw it? Gleb Melnikov. That's who I want to see draw it. Okay, okay, I can see it. I can see it. I'm trying to think who's at Marvel right now that I'd like to see do it. Psych that, psych that. I want N.K. Jemison and oh boy, 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 oh Tradmore. Oh, weird with damn. it. Damn, Tradmore would be really interesting to see on Eternals. Actually, fuck, I don't know. I'm always so bad with these because I'm like, I just want the art, the writer and artist that wants to do it to do it. <laughs> Can you imagine Trad Moore drawing a celestial? Wow. Yeah, I can now. That would be so cool. I got nothing. Lexi, you have anything? I anything would like to see the Eternals drawn by Jeff Smith in the style of the Bone characters. Thank you. <laughs> I agree. Fair I enough. Agree. Yeah. Base take. Can you imagine Thena drawn like our queen? A queen Thor? Yes. Mm-hmm. We need more Tuki. I need Tukey Book 3. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got a DM well, Jeff after yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for writing in, Tristan. That was awesome. Um, 
Uh, Dallas, you have to read the next one. Wario! <laughs> Hello, gang! I know the Eternals. Look, got... I know the Eternals book got attention because of the movie. <laughs> I think it also Wait, got attention. Turn the switch in your head. <laughs> but I think it also got attention because of who wrote the book. Kieran Gillen! My question is, what character or team would you like to see given a superstar writer? I think Martian Manhunter is overdue for a good noir book. Wahaha! Wario Scapelli. My secret friend, Jesus Christ. Okay, anyway. I would like to see superhero comics come to an end. The end. Anyway, the other <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I have to think, though. Someone else go. Hmm. That was a really good question. Um, sh- there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. I want to see. Um, I want my, um. You know, I want my Tom King Kite Man mini. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Word. I Let's want see. the Birds of Prey to have a really great modern run. Yes. Obviously, the Kill Simone run is iconic, and I'm in the wrong for having not read it yet. But like mm-hmm. a new ongoing Birds of Prey with top talent on it would mm-hmm. be very cool. I second that. I would like to read that media. I I want Black Canary specifically to have her own thing. Mm. So, so much. Um, Big Barda 2 would be fun. Going back to my DC ladies, there's so many of them. If you like, just put someone with talent and a vision behind them and you'll pull something out. Yeah, I kind of feel like Wonder Woman has been floundering for a while. Yeah. And that is not a diss on the Nubia books that I think are really great. Uh, it's not even that I think Wonder Woman is bad. I just think Wonder Woman hasn't been the it book. In yeah, a people long, aren't long talking time. about it the same way they are action comics or detective comics. Like if it we put a really strong writer and artist, it needs the George Perez treatment. George Perez mm-hmm. was the top talent and they he loved Wonder Woman. And so the top talent of the era went and made the best book of the era that happened to be a Wonder Woman book because he loved her. And I know there is an incredibly talented person out there that wants to take a crack at Wonder Woman. And I want to see it. I love that character. And I almost never have her in my pull list. I always end up going back and reading old stuff because during my lifetime, there have not been many awesome Wonder Woman books. For sure. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Okay, let me go to bedtime. Let's read the end credits. All right, everybody. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at The Comics Collective. Or you can find each of us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. In the arms of the angels fly away if you enjoyed the show and want to show your support please go to apple podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we'll read it off on the show and finally feel free to email us with your questions or comments at the comics collective at gmail.com 
We will see you next week for our episode on Mr. Miracles with Owen Likes Comics. There we go. The end. I was excited to see what we were going to (laughs) pick. Mr. Miracle. (laughs) That's a good one. I kind of like it. It's a surprise for you guys, the listener, but also a surprise for us, the reader. <laughs> Every single week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Thank you. Goodbye, Toodaloo. everyone. Toodaloo.